This is Do School Better, a podcast for people who want to transform education. My name is Doris Corda, and for the past several years, I've been training educators. Listen to these episodes and hear about some of the extraordinary programs they've created. We call these pioneers the fire starters. See if you can get some ideas that you can implement yourself to change your own practice. In this episode, Doris speaks with Katie Yan, instructor of AP Environmental Science and Honors Biology at the College Preparatory School and former science teacher of the Bentley School. Katie explains the shift away from research papers to real-world problem solving, which resulted in meaningful learning about food systems and climate change. She also shares how this led her students to develop better research techniques and critical thinking skills in all of her science courses. And if you're into this podcast, share it with a friend or someone who might find it inspiring so that we can all do school better. Hello, Katie. Hello, Doris. How are you with your new job? I'm doing very well. Thank you. I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> I'm so excited. Well, listen, please start by telling, telling our listeners about yourself. Sure. So I'm currently starting a new job at a school called the College Preparatory in Oakland, California, and I teach AP Environmental Science and Honors Biology to juniors and seniors. And I came to the position after having taught a few years in a few other barrier schools, including the Bentley School and University High School. But I've always wanted to teach. And my parents are both art teachers. And so I grew up in sort of an education environment. My parents and I came to the U.S. when I was four from China and basically grew up in the Bay Area, went to school here, went to college around here, and then after graduation knew I wanted to teach, but also knew that I wanted to um, work in the environmental sector first before teaching about environmental issues. Why did you, I, why did you decide that? By the way, we both have in common. I also was brought here by my parents uh, um, when I was four years old, so same oh, age. Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely very interesting. I think it definitely gives a, a very different perspective, right? I agree. So why I decided to work in yeah. the sector, I decided to do that because I wanted to, I think wanted to get some actual real world experience in environmental um, advocacy, environmental science, before actually bringing that into the classroom and having these stories to share and, and a particular perspective. And I also was just generally very interested in water issues, water management issues, environmental justice through my um, graduate school program at Stanford University. And so I had an opportunity to do an internship at this organization called International Rivers right after graduation. And I started there as an intern, but then gradually moved through that organization to focus really on climate change policy, as well as dam development and human rights in Southwest China. And oh. so as a, yeah, and so as a program coordinator for those, both of those programs, I had the opportunity to do some traveling, um, research and communication work, writing blogs and creating videos and communication tools to sort of raise awareness about some of the threats to river resources and river dependent communities in all parts of the world, but in particular in um, Southwest China. That's really interesting. And so then what? Yeah. So, and so then after doing this work and really traveling, focusing on Southwest China, I think I was ready to, to go to the classroom and, and ah. work with kids. And an opportunity came to teach a university high school school in San Francisco as a sabbatical leave replacement. 
for an AP environmental science class. And I, I jumped out at that opportunity. And it was fantastic because I loved bringing in some of those stories. And, and I think a lot of issues that may not make the front page or that people may not have been as aware of and and then as a way to get students to think critically, more critically beyond the sort of headlines and front pages and what it really means to do deep research on a particular issue. Because these environmental issues are so complex and multi-layered. And I was able to get a glimpse of that while doing work with International Rivers. So, so then what prompted you to come to the workshop? And that's a great question. I think I was really interested in design thinking at the time and also project-based learning because Environmental science is such a rich area for projects that are applied and relevant to students' like daily life and whether hearing the news or you know the sustainability issues at their school. That I was really interested in seeing examples of how other teachers were able to do that meaning in a meaningful way. And so projects that weren't just one-off projects, but that maybe could be sustained or have a sort of an impact on student lives. That's. Fantastic. And I'm really excited to hear more about yeah. your pilot and how you implemented it and, and talk about what, what you've created, how it went. Yeah. So in the winter, I taught a course called The Past, Present, and Future of Food, which examines the relationship between food production and the environment. So we'll cover major issues um, that students are may or may not be familiar with, like pesticide use and um, concentrated animal feedlots and GMOs and really give them hopefully a deep dive in some of those big issues that they hear about. And then the final projects, because it's a shorter semester, we don't usually do final exams, um, we do projects. And so in the past years, I've done projects that have been things like research symposiums where they do like a research paper um, on an issue they're interested in. But this year, I was particularly looking at the group of students that I had I thought something that was a bit more applied to their everyday might be something that was more engaging, more uh, meaningful to them. And so I designed a social entrepreneurship and food symposium where they essentially brainstorm ideas of topics they were interested in, brainstormed some issues around those topics, and then developed a, a business idea um, that will hopefully solve the, those or help solve those issues. Oh, that's exciting. So did they do these as individuals or on teams? They worked in teams. So nice. yeah, after brainstorming some of these ideas, teams, we started trying to form teams around um, common interest. And there were a couple of students that were really passionate about particular issues that um, where other students sort of rallied around. And we ended up with four different topics. One of them had to do with, one of them was very research-based and had to do with integrated pest management consulting, um, which was really cool. They did some great research on that and looking at stakeholders of pesticide use. One of them looked at uh, sustainable school food lunches. Clearly, that came out of an interest in improving the current school food system that we have and our school food delivery system. One group, uh, this is really based on one student's um, passion around social justice, came up with an idea for an app that would link community members that live in food deserts with farmers markets and local farmers and providing discounts at farmers markets and things like that which was really cool wow yeah and the last idea was a group of students wanted to start a sustainable fast food restaurant wow (laughs) that was a lot of fun for them to interview their friends and see what you know 
uh, willingness to pay was and kinds of food that they would want to purchase. So yeah, I think it I think it worked well because they were really seeing something that they were familiar with, um, and we'd gone through the business model canvas together beforehand, and so they had the tools and the language to really feel like they were talking about it like experts, which was really cool to see. Sure. Well, so so basically, if I'm understanding this, you what had been in the past uh, a research paper, maybe. Yeah, it was a research paper and presentation. Gotcha. Yeah. You took the sort of models and the curriculum and the practices from the workshop and you created a final project where you were using entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and had teams of students solving problems they themselves cared to solve. And yep, exactly. then they presented their solutions. I think as a student, when I'm given given license to solve a problem I care about that hasn't been solved yet mm-hmm. and get creative about how I form a solution. That's a type of creativity that students don't often get, get a chance to, to use yeah. in school. Yeah, um, exactly. Can you talk about, as a pilot, if you think about the sort of learning the students did in this versus when they did a, a research paper, Mm-hmm. Would you choose this again? I think I definitely would. I think both types of projects are necessary. And I think I was really responding to the students I had in the room as well and what they were interested in and what they were really lit up around. Yeah, and I think doing this again, maybe if I were to do it again, I would try to beef up the research piece of it a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of were taking issues that we had studied before. For instance, the pesticide consulting group um, took a lot of what we had been talking about around you know pesticide use and impacts on insects and things like that, or integrated pest management. And then some of the couple of the food groups took a lot of what we were talking about around organic food. But there could, I think, there could have been a bit more of that background research feeding into their ideas. But I think overall, it was something that was memorable and meaningful. Yeah. You know, you bring up an interesting point. How do you structure the learning of these students and the, your teaching in such a way mm-hmm. that the students are really engaged in, in chasing something that they care about, that's yeah. meaningful to them, and that has purpose? And I think, I believe... I've seen it. These methods, which really are kind of redefining academics, it's a whole mm-hmm. different approach. I think could be. I think when they're applied in, whether it's a chemistry class or a, a social entrepreneurship class or whatever, it's really interesting to see the way it engages students in their learning very differently yeah. than even 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 a very interesting project that a teacher defines. I think most important really is it's a completely different mindset and methodology mm-hmm. for how you how and and you have to sort of approach school and and learning mm-hmm. from a very different way. I mean, I'd be interested in hearing with your one pilot how your experience as a teacher felt different than what you do in a unit where you're having students write a research paper. Right. I think for this particular project it felt great not to be necessarily the expert in the room because they would have questions about running a particular type of business, which, you know, I wouldn't necessarily have the answer to. And it was like, that's part of your research. We can look it up together. We can sort of explore this together. But now you are the expert and your group is going to be the expert among all of us. 
so teach us. And so I think that was very exciting. I think in the past when doing, you know, research papers, they'd usually been on topics that I was, you know, had some expertise in and familiar with and could guide them. But really, I think there was a particular challenge with this project and how best to guide them. And it was really more about guiding them in some really fundamental skills around research, um, around, you know, asking the right questions. Like we did a number of exercises of just brainstorming questions that they had and then prioritizing those questions and thinking about what really mattered to their project. And I think those are important skills as well. Yeah, and what you just described, I think that's really the essence of it, Mm -hmm. which is structuring a learning experience where the students are going deep Mm -hmm. based on a focus on the most, what are the most important questions? Yeah. Once they have the question, now do you, can you see how doing this kind of thing the second, third, fourth time that you could, even with every team working on very different things, some of the things you have no experience in, Mm -hmm. can you see how students could actually go very deep into learning science, for example, in, um, in a project like this? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think particularly with asking questions, I mean, I think that's central to, you know, the chemistry classes um, that I teach in the biology class that I teach. It's asking how to ask the right questions, right? That's really going to start yeah. someone on the right experiment to dis- or how to design the right experiment to answer those questions. I think that's all very related. So you're, so as a teacher, when you do this, what you're constantly thinking about are what are the questions I should ask next of these guys as opposed to how do I answer right absolutely yeah I think yeah for the exercise we did with coming up with the questions was great because I forced them to ask at least 10 questions so that was a challenge for them and I don't think they're used to being asked to do that and they're usually given you know one question like in whatever class it is maybe like one question and they have to use their textbooks, use their primary, secondary sources to you to answer that one question. Whereas, you know, if in this particular project, I told them to come up with as many questions as possible. And then to think about what types of questions those are. Are they open-ended questions? Are they closed-ended questions? Um, and then really prioritize, like, what are the most important questions to them that they want to be, have answered? And then also the difficult part, um, that came later, which was creating the surveys, was what kind of questions work best in getting the information that you need, what kind of questions bring out the useful data from the not useful data. Um, and that was challenging too. And I think one of the things that was helpful from the workshop was some of the resources you provided around, you know, articles from, let's say, the Harvard Business School about, you know, designing a survey. I gave them that to read, had them think about really what makes for a good survey question and what doesn't. And I think that was helpful. And there's even the question before that, which is based on what question you're trying to answer, Mm -hmm. what is the right research methodology? Surveys only work uh, for very specific kinds of questions, right? Yeah, absolutely. Coming out of a science class, having learned how to distinguish between what one research strategy versus another and how to execute those is massively important. And given that finding the data is not the problem, it's knowing the question and then how to go about 
answering it. I think these are really important things. So Katie, if you take a step up as somebody whose work is rooted in passion for kids and having them develop a love for science, Mm -hmm. why is any of this stuff we're talking about important? Why get creative with these kinds of projects and how you teach science? Why even do it? We've done these research paper approaches and and lectures and all that for many, many years. And we've had amazing scientists emerge. Why, mm-hmm. why are you even experimenting with this stuff? I think I do like being very creative in what I do. And that's part of the reason why I enjoy teaching so much. But I think for my particular in teaching environmental science, I have some very specific reasons why I turn towards these sorts of project-based learning experiences and activities and exercises there's always a few students who I think come in having never really taken environmental science class and don't know what to expect and are kind of surprised that it is can be equal parts science as well as policy, as well as economics and, and sociology. But I think overall, the students, I feel like, can get very depressed oftentimes with the kind the, the seriousness and the weightiness of some of the environmental issues that we talk about. And sometimes it feels like the sort of smaller day-to-day solutions to those issues things like turning off the lights or you know biking to school don't feel enough and then on the other end of the spectrum the solutions that are really meaningful and long term feel really difficult things like policy change societal behavior changes those seem really challenging and, and intimidating and i feel like something like having a social entrepreneurship project gives the students a sense that this is something they're familiar with and that they can potentially accomplish, you know, within their lifetime or, you know, when they're in college in a sort of a medium span of time, or at least feel that they, that's something that they can see around them that is also making a difference that isn't just the daily actions or the sort of really long-term policy changes. So I think that's one very specific reason why I feel like it works well in in a, particularly in environmental science class. And I think in the overall, in, in a, a general science class, continues to exercise their their data collection, their critical thinking, their data analysis. I think one of the hardest things that they and I learned to do is how hard it is to write and execute a good survey. <laughs> and yeah. that, you know, you have to still take the skills you learned in a science class around um, data collection and sample size and apply that to your project to really have effective results. Otherwise, you're results are just not going to be reliable. Yeah. When you think about these methods of teaching and learning and applying them, what are some of the things that you're using now in your uh, your other classes that you got out of this? I think one of the things I did get out of the workshop and, and this experience is that I think social entrepreneurship uh, as a vehicle of doing project-based learning better and I think we've started doing a couple more projects this year in chemistry. And I think even if it's not right away or not necessarily social entrepreneurship, we I feel like I do have more confidence in developing a project for the students that exercise on the same skills and engage them in the same sorts of issues that they're familiar with. And I think one of the things which seemed like a small piece from the workshop, but I thought was really powerful were the new circles that we did um, as a group 
where you know we would get together at the start of every session and just share our major news pieces that we were interested in following. And I started doing that and really seen it have a, a major impact in my current AP environmental science class because we start I started this class looking at climate and how that's different from weather because we end with climate change in the spring. I was really seeing climate as sort of a good bookend to the entire class. And uh, right away, we started talking about um, climate versus weather and whether hurricanes can be linked to climate change or not, and what sort of the scientific consensus um, or uncertainty around that um, area of research. Um, and that was something that I was just planning on doing anyway. And then unfortunately, all of this stuff around Hurricane Harvey and now Hurricane Irma started happening at the same time. And so all of a sudden, the things that we were talking about in class, looking at you know, past data for major hurricanes, category three, four, and five hurricanes, and sort of those, the human environmental impacts of that, all of a sudden that became really incredibly relevant to the students. Mm. Um, and so they were in these news circles, you know, suddenly so animated and excited to talk about what they were hearing, what they were learning. And I'm getting the sense that they, you know, are, are paying more attention now because that now that we've talked about you know, what causes a hurricane and how it might be linked to climate change because ocean waters are, are warming up um, more than ever before. And so that has been really exciting to see them realize that, you know, what they're learning can really inform their understanding uh, about the news that they're hearing. And, and I think that's, to me, that's really critical because as I told them, sort of one of my main objectives of the class is for really for them to be able to sift through a lot of the noise that they're hearing or reading about and really understand the environmental science issues, environmental science and the issues behind um, what they're hearing, reading about, using facts and research that they've learned about to really critically think about what they're hearing in the news. Um, and I think that's coming through through in the news circles. Well, and what a great way to set the table every day for the relevance of the rest of what they're going to learn in that class. They're not, none of those students after that news circle are going to question, why do I have to learn this stuff? They get it. Exactly. It's a sad coincidence that you're teaching this class at a time that these hurricanes are hitting. But the interesting thing that I've discovered in doing these news circles all these years is that even if there isn't a uh, sad coincidence like this at the time. When you teach this next semester or next year, mm -hmm. as the students engage and bring in news they find interesting out in the world, it doesn't take many steps between the news and what they're going to learn in your class for them mm -hmm. to find connections. And they, they'll find and build those connections. You know, it, I know I we talked about this at the workshop at first, very often students come in and they view it as a typical assignment. Here's my news article. But mm -hmm, very mm -hmm. soon, any, you know, they start bringing in news that actually does have relevance to the class itself on their own, uh, even if there isn't something that dramatic. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're able to make some connections too, even if it doesn't, it might be a news piece that might not be directly related to maybe the environmental unit that we're talking about at the moment. They're, they're able to make some connections to like maybe what's the environmental impacts on, of this particular issue or something like that. Yeah. And Or climate change is always a thread. It's always a theme in anything we talk about. 
um, and which is very kind of intentional on my part because that is, I see that as a, a really critical global issue. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I think they get that sense too. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're learning from you. They're learning the implications and the relevance and the importance of all this thing beyond the science itself. And I love that you're doing it inside an advanced placement class because there's this notion that uh, in an advanced placement class, because they're so content heavy. Mm-hmm. There's no room for this kind of learning. And I think that's completely wrong. I think that how the learning happens and how and what the learning objectives are, are two separate questions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they're, they're independent. And a masterful teacher can say, here are my learning objectives that include both skills and also, yes, content. Mm-hmm. But I can structure the curriculum and the project that's real and relevant and here and now in such a way that the students are engaged in something in work that's relevant. Mm -hmm. And along the way, I make sure that they're learning deeply the content they need to. That's, that's great to hear Katie. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. I'm very, I'm very excited to hear what you've been doing and we'll be very excited to hear what you do next. Thank you. I appreciate it. Great talking to you, Katie. You too. Thanks so much. If you want to hear more podcasts like this or learn about the Corda Method, visit our website at wildfire-education.org.